Our scripture reading today comes from Colossians 1, 15-22. Christ is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things we can see and the things we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, and authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead. So he is first in everything. For God in all his fullness was pleased to live in Christ. And through him, God reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence, and you are holy and blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, Vineyard Springbrook. Um, If you are new here with us today, my name is Chad Stewart. I'm an associate pastor here at the Vineyard. And today I want to piggyback a tad bit on where Lindsay has taken us the last few weeks and specifically deal with the issue, um, which has been a common theme of something I talk about a lot here. And I want to deal with the issue of our identity. Um, Because here's the truth of it, guys. If we are not settled and living from the identity that God speaks over us, we will never live out all that God has created us for and enter this grand story of God renewing all things. Back at our first staff meeting in 2021, Lindsay uh, had us do a practice called Lectio Divina from the verses that Aaron read from uh, Colossians today. And that's a time where we read, reflect, and point out what God may be speaking to us from a portion of Scripture. Now, at the end of that time, we started to ponder this question as a staff, and it was, what would it look like if this year we could settle and believe that God sees us as holy and blameless and in His sight without a single fault? Like Paul says in Colossians verse 22. What would our church look like? If this was our goal for the year, for not only our staff, but for you guys. So let me ask you guys the question. What would it look like if you woke up every day and lived out of this identity? What would your life look like? What would you have the confidence to enter into? This question rocked us, and it hit me hard when Lindsay brought this up because I have been pondering the same verse amongst others for about two months because normally at the end of the year, I ask God for either a phrase, a verse, a word, or something that's going to give me uh, some tracks to run on for the new year. It's something I love to do, and the one phrase that God put on my heart for 2021 was this phrase, becoming love. And what God was basically saying there is, um, become like me. Because in 1 John 4, 7, we hear that God is love. So to become love is to grow in Christ-likeness, is to become like Him. Now, that sounds great. I was pretty pumped up about it. But guys, when I actually tried to 
walk in that and with the emphasis on becoming love and being love, um, I found out quickly how much my motives and thoughts and doubts did not spring from love. I don't know if that ever happened to you guys where, where uh, God speaks something to you and then uh, you notice it everywhere. And I'm noticing these things in me um, to where I'm not living out of love. I'm living out of need and want, but not love. And I felt a bit, a bit stuck in this. I felt a little bit discouraged and God led me back to where he always does. And that's my identity in him. Because if I can fully settle how Jesus sees me and thinks of me, I will become what he wants me to become. This is important, guys. The greatest um, plan that the enemy has against us is to confuse your identity because he knows that if you ever see who you are in Christ and you start to live out from that identity, it will change everything. For you, for our church, for our community, and for everyone that comes in contact with us. So we have to settle our identity in Christ. And we have to appropriate that into our lives. Now, I'm not saying that we need to settle the fact or the theological knowledge of our identity. Guys, because it's one thing for us, uh, Lindsay and I and others, to stand up and preach again and again and again that God loves you, that you're holy and you're blameless in His sight without a single fault. Um, um, guys, that's like easy to do, to spout off knowledge. But it's another thing for me and Lindsay and for us as a church to actually believe that and live from there every moment of our life, every moment of our day. It is one thing for it to be knowledge. It is another thing for it to be a fresh revelation from the Holy Spirit to your heart so you and I can live that out. That may seem impossible to you, but guys, here's the good news. It's possible. How do I know? Because I see it becoming a truth in my own life. I am not who I once was, guys. Um, I can even say I'm not who I was a year ago. This gospel, guys, when we believe it, it's one of power and transformation. It's what it promises. So um, let's jump back in the scripture real quick and let's go to um, a different book that, in, in which Paul is writing in Ephesians 1 and let's look at a few of these verses. So in Ephesians 1 uh, verse 1, uh, Paul starts out writing, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by God's will to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Ephesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavens in Christ. For he chose us in him before the foundation of the world to be holy and blameless. Doesn't that sound familiar? To be holy and blameless in love before him. He predestined us to be adopted as sons through Jesus Christ for himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of of his glorious grace that he lavished on us and the beloved one. First thing I want to point out is that Paul addresses himself as Paul an apostle. Um, and, and I find it interesting, if you know anything about Paul's past, the 
that Paul did not feel the need to address himself as Paul, an apostle, but previously saw a persecutor and murderer of Christians. He, he didn't feel the need to even mention it. Um, and that's because Paul had come to terms with who he was in Jesus and what the blood of Jesus and the cross meant for his life and his identity. That's not who Paul is now, but that's who he was. Secondly, what does Paul call the people at Ephesus? He calls them faithful saints. The people in Ephesus were people like you and I, who understand that God has invaded their lives, has saved them, but they're learning how to live that life in a culture that is hostile to what God has done in them and is doing through them. So they are looking around and seeing this gap between who God says they are and what everything around them is trying to identify them as. They are living in Christ, but they are also living in culture. They feel the power of the culture around them, and they feel vulnerable to it. So it's because of that Paul writes to them, and he writes to them about how you step into the grand story of God that Lindsay talked about the last two weeks and live that out and do it in a way that brings renewal to the city and to the culture around them. And Paul realizes that they can only do that if they live from the identity and how God sees them. So he writes to them, identifying them as faithful saints. And I figure this may be in complete contrast to how they see themselves. And it's probably in contrast today, maybe how you and I think of ourselves. Now, I don't want you to post anything in the chat or like buttons on any. Thing I say on this, but I want you to sit back and take this into, you, into your heart. And I have two identities for us. And I want you to tell me the one you feel most comfortable with. The first one that I have is faithful saint. It's faithful saint. The second one that I have is sinner saved by grace. It's sinner Saved by grace. Now, you may think this is a trick question, but guys, I believe this down in my heart, that today, as a believer saved in Jesus Christ, um, if, you, if, if, if you're leaning towards a sinner saved by grace, I want to tell you that is not who you are. Now, that's what happened to you. You were lost, separated from God, an enemy of God but his blood bought you and redeemed you. You were a sinner, but by his grace, guys, but by his grace, you have become a son or a daughter and a saint. You are holy and blameless without a single fault in God's eyes. If the thing that was most true about the people at Ephesus was that they were still sinners, I'm pretty sure Paul would have written to the faithful sinners in Christ Jesus at Ephesus. But he doesn't. Because the blood of Jesus is speaking better things over their lives, guys. And guys, that's the exciting thing, because the blood of Jesus is speaking better things over my life and yours today. And Paul is writing to them, saying to the faithful saints at Ephesus, and they have this view of themselves that is formed by culture, 
their background, their experience, their circumstance, their history, all the stuff the enemy likes to hold against us. And they're living in a culture of hostility. And you guys should know after the past year that we had in COVID and going through an election, that when you live in a culture of hostility, you forget quickly who you are. You lose your identity. And so Paul is saying that all these things may be going on in your life. Disease may be eating at your body. Your finances may be tight. Your marriage may be difficult. Your kids may be difficult. Your singleness may be difficult. You may feel powerless or a victim of your circumstances. You may feel unworthy, unwanted, or unqualified, busted and broken. But that is not who you are. You are faithful saints. Then he goes on to say this small little phrase after that, which is key. And he says, to the faithful saints in Christ Jesus. Um, Here's the truth. In and of ourselves, are we faithful saints? No. The Bible doesn't paint a picture of us having the willpower and the ability to live up to all that the law of God demanded. We don't come to God for redemption based on our own ability to perform. We come to God based on Christ's performance and freely receive redemption that Christ paid for us, the identity he's given us. Based on who Christ is and what he has done, that he has brought us into relationship to a new birth and a living hope. All of us under condemnation, all of us slaves to sin, all of us under the law, but Christ came, humbled himself to the hostility of sin and society, then suffering on the cross for our sin, our shame, our guilt, our fears, all of our messed up ideas and ideologies, all of our identities that the world likes to give us. He took all of that in our place so we could come into full communion with him and be free. So you no longer have to live as a slave under bondage of your identity, of your sin. We are free. Do you hear that? Faithful saints in Christ Jesus at Springbrook. Guys, that's the good news and it changes everything. Now, the world may remind you of who you once were. The church may even remind you and keep you at where you once were. You better expect the kingdom of darkness to remind you of who you once were and to make sure that your identity is found in your most recent sin and to live as a slave to its identity. But Christ doesn't do that. This gospel is not about doing better. It's about becoming like Jesus. It's not your doing, it's your being. But when we make this gospel about our doing and rightness and not Christ's finished work and his righteousness... We are going to live from a false identity. And you are going to live sin conscience and be nothing more than the sin you just committed. You're going to analyze your life and start to take your own tests. Then you are going to grade your own test and you'll probably come up short. You will probably fail. You will probably be hard on yourself. You will probably won't even show yourself much mercy and call it diligence or even humility. Or, you know, something that we like to say then you will live a semi-condemned life and probably won't be able to enter full intimacy and communion with God because you won't see yourself the way he does. So you won't draw close to him and will avoid him because you have already weighed yourself by your own tests 
and you have been found wanting. You'll never live by grace or have intimacy with God if you are just trying to be accepted and trying not to sin. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I have rarely ever seen a sin conscience person have a deep intimacy with Jesus. I always see them stuck in this cycle, going back and forth and taking their own tests and failing them. But guys, honestly, that was my testimony for the longest time. Always thinking I have to earn because that's the wisdom of this world and that's a way that seems right unto a man. But it's not the wisdom of God. But a God-conscience person is also aware of their sin and repentant of their sin, but they don't let their sin move, sake, or devalue their identity that Christ has given them. I've seen that person have a deep intimacy with Jesus. They wake up and don't try to be accepted. They just wake up and be accepted because they know they are washed and forgiven and accepted and loved, and they don't have to do a thing for it. That person doesn't even have time to focus on that sin that always trips them up because they are too busy having communion with God. Sin is not their focus. God is transforming them. And then one day they realize they are no longer a slave unto that sin and that false identity because Christ has transformed them and made them new because their focus is communion with God and Holy Spirit. And you may say, that sounds great, but that isn't my reality. Um, so I want to end on a short story about how God has worked this into my life. Um, and I want to give you a few key practices that God has grown me. And guys, these are recent practices he has brought into my life that has helped shape my identity and keep me firm in it. Um, so the COVID year, I know was hard on everyone. Um, disclaimer is pretty fantastic for me. Um, Um, I was excelling and growing in intimacy with Jesus. God was teaching me and loving me in ways that I never expected before, and it was amazing. But then came November, December, and January. God seemed nowhere to be found for me in those months, and I was just surviving. My disciplines had vanished. My prayer lives were just mostly needs and about my job, and communion and intimacy seemed almost impossible. And then at the start of the year, guys, in the first week of January, I suffered a big personal loss. Um, It was in the midst of me also seeing, like I mentioned at the beginning, how much I was falling short on the becoming love in Jesus. And I knew I was going to get beginning some type of news in the first week of January, um, but I didn't know whether it was going to be good or bad. And the night before I got the news, I remember going outside, looking up at the stars and talking to Jesus because that's one of my favorite things to do. And and I prayed something along these lines. I said, Father, I know things have seemed strange and weird lately. I know I haven't been pressing in like I normally do. But I want to declare right now that no matter the news that I get tomorrow, I know that you love me. And I know that you are growing me up into all things in Jesus. If my prayers are not answered and I don't see your will come to earth like it is in heaven, um, Father, I'm asking you to come father me and help me mature and build my faith so, so that the next time anything like this pops up, that we see breakthrough. I'm choosing to position my heart 
in the fact that you are good and I am loved no matter what. Um, Then the next day happened and I got the news and I suffered loss. And at the exact same time, guys, as soon as the news came and, and, and I was told, um, the intimacy that had been gone for three months, I felt. I felt my friend, Holy Spirit, come up and just start uh, ministering to my heart. He didn't say anything, but he was just giving me his presence, basically saying, I'm with you and everything's going to be all right. On the way home, um, I was honestly feeling great. I was feeling thankful, which is not a strong suit for me, guys. Thankfulness is not something I am great at in my life. And then this prayer rose up in me that was just thanking God for his goodness and love for me and that I trust him. And I remember I started crying because in a moment of big personal loss, I felt joy. And in that moment, I didn't understand how anyone um, cannot believe in Jesus, cannot believe in the gospel, because God is so good. And what if I told you that that very same day I received that big personal loss was the same day that in that morning we had a staff meeting and we went to Colossians and we read Colossians chapter 1, trying to decide if we believed we were homely and blameless and without a single fault in his sight. And the prayer I prayed the night before because I hadn't been pressing in when we showed up to that meeting and we were reading those verses, guys, there was no doubt in my heart and I did not want to say it to the group. And, and everyone is asking this question, well, what would life look like if I actually believed that? And in my heart, I was like, no, I actually believe this, that I'm holy, blameless, without a single fault before Jesus. There's nothing separating me and him. His blood has dealt with the debt. It's been paid. I have full communion with Christ. And I believed it in that moment. And I'm able to look back now at that and see how important it was to settle the truth in my heart the night before that, that, that my identity is in Christ. And I planted it there. And that God was good and he defined me, guys. And so the first thing we need to do, guys, we need to settle this right now. We need to position our hearts to this truth, that this is the truest, truest thing about us, that we are sons and daughters of the king. The second thing, declare his word. Um, whenever I read the Bible, it is never for information, really. Even times when I go to the Bible to study or write a sermon like this one, I will read a chapter like this one that we have in Colossians, and guys, and then I'll pray something like this. Oh, and, and, and this is something that Jesus has brought. To, I'll just get in the room alone. I'll raise my hands, and I'll just say, Father, thank you for making me holy and blameless in your sight. Father, I thank you that on the cross, the blood of Jesus has dealt with everything that separated me and you. And you love me, Father, and you see me, Lord, without any fault before you. And so, Jesus, I trust you. I thank you. And I love you for this identity that you've given me. So, Father, come today and father my heart. And help me, Lord, join you into the renewal of all things, Father. Jesus, I love you. I love you and I thank you. I'm using the word, guys, and declaring it in relationship. And it's drawing me closer with Jesus. 
because it's true. God's word is true. I'm wholly blameless without a single fault in his sight. And me and Jesus are talking about it. And I'm positioning and I'm settling my heart before Jesus. And guys, that has kept me secure. Um, I haven't doubted it at all. All those things that used to mark me and identify me don't find a place to land because I live out of that relationship with Jesus. And guys, it's possible for all of us to live out of that relationship with Jesus. Because you are living from the identity of Christ's work and not your own. Our life can be transformed.